everyone. It is Thursday, July 13th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, uh, right now I have one more day here left in LA. And where I'm staying, there's an Erwan market. Erwan, uh, famous for their 20-something dollar smoothie. I passed by there. I haven't gotten one yet. But there's a part of me that just wants to get it to see if it's deserving of the hype. What's in it for $20? So Jill, they have a few different combinations. They've been made famous by Haley Bieber, by Bella Hadid. Uh, I guess there's a there's a strawberry glaze smoothie that uh, is much the hype. Then there's another one, uh, what's called the Bella Hadid Kinsicle. Uh, either way, uh, those who know, know. Uh, there's, it's gotten <laughs> like uh, a lot of attention on TikTok, etc. I'll let you know. If I decide to splurge and see what it's all about. But at that rate, that is like almost a dollar per sip. And I just, I don't know if I'm ready to invest in that sort of thing. The good news is that even if it was the best thing that you've ever had, there isn't one in New York. So it would be a one-time thing. You wouldn't want to get hooked on a $20 smoothie. That would be an expensive habit. Jill, there's no amount of Athletic Greens ads in the world we could run on this podcast to help me afford <laughs> that smoothie. <laughs> All right, if you try it, though, we expect a full report tomorrow. Will do. For now, though, let's get to some news. The pandemic is over. Kids are back in school, but a new report finds that students are still struggling and will need about four months of extra school to fill in the gap. A story that's been getting a ton of traction in the Mo News community. Now the Pentagon trying to increase pressure on one senator whose hold on military nominations is creating a lot of headaches in the military community. Some new numbers show that inflation may finally be slowing down. Another state banning abortions after just six weeks. Record high heat is creating the need for a new job. Chief heat officer. And the Emmy nominations are out, leading the pack Succession, The Last of Us, The White Lotus, and Ted Lasso. And Mosh, one of my favorite parts of this, the snubs. Jill, it's one of those years where I'm actually caring for people. They're excited for the Emmys because of the popularity of some of these shows. Ted Lasso, uh, White Lotus, uh, Succession. And it should be a pretty good competition because in some of these categories, multiple actors from the same show are going against each other. Should be interesting. And uh, Moshe's on this day in history. Jill, the history behind the Hollywood sign, the iconic Hollywood sign, and how it almost went away, and a big date in Legally Blonde history. What, like it's hard? <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for a bunch of Legally Blonde quotes at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Clearly, the movie resonated with me. All right, let's start with some troubling new numbers about the state of America's youngest students post-pandemic. So schools are back open. Classes are in person. Billions of dollars have already been spent trying to make up for pandemic-related learning losses. And yet, a new national study finds that students are not making much progress. And in fact, researchers say they could be backsliding. So Northwest Evaluation Association, NWEA, released a new report. They analyzed the results of student assessment tests taken in the spring by more than 3 million public school students in third through eighth grade. Students in most grades showed slower than average growth in math and reading compared to kids before the pandemic. Most troubling, it means that these learning gaps created during the pandemic 
may not be closing, and if anything, may be getting bigger. Some of the findings in nearly all grades, the achievement gains during the 2022-23 school year fell short of pre-pandemic levels. The report finds that the average student will need the equivalent of 4.1 additional months of schooling to catch up in reading and 4.5 months in math. And researchers say Black and Hispanic students would require around a month more than that to return to pre-pandemic levels, although those levels were influenced by educational inequities that have expanded over the last three years. One of the study's researchers telling the New York Times that the bottom line here is that not only aren't things getting better, they are actually seeing evidence of backsliding. The report comes on the heels of different testing that showed that students across demographics, ages, and across most states in this country I had serious setbacks, particularly in math. Last month, national math and reading test results for 13-year-olds hit their lowest level in decades. And in general, middle schoolers suffered the most post-pandemic because they already experienced smaller learning gains due to more challenging material. Jill, you mentioned this new report is suggesting that it'll take more than four months for students to catch up. The question remains, where is that four months going to come from? Uh, typically, they say that summer school accounts for really only a month extra of education when you add it all up. The last round of federal COVID relief funding included $122 billion to help schools. That all needs to be spent by September of next year. The Biden administration said that 20% needs to go towards academic recovery. And as far as the other 80% of those funds, it can be used for anything, really, even things like repairing buildings. And so the question is, how much of that needs to go into academic recovery here? School districts across the country have come up with their own various plans here. The report suggests that the four months of additional instruction cannot be compressed into one school year or through short-term intervention, but should instead be spread across several years here. So they really have to be thinking long-term. There is some research that shows that high-dosage tutoring, what they call high-dosage tutoring, meaning putting a trained tutor in with one to four students at least a few times a week for a full year, can make up for about four months of learning. And as I stated before, summer school would only make up for a month of learning. So they really need kind of person-to-person -person help here on the tutoring side if we're to make this up. Uh, some other options discussed, by the way, extending the school calendar for the next few years or even adding a fifth year of high school in certain districts. Jill, I found this statistic notable from the New York Times write-up on this. Uh, they're uh, prognosticating, obviously this is difficult for them to get specifics on, but that students who don't catch up and might be less likely to go to college or less likely to succeed in college could earn tens of thousands of dollars less over their lifetime. So this, what's happening right now, could have a very long-term impact on these kids' lives for decades to come. Okay, now to a story getting a ton of play on our Instagram account. The Pentagon seeking to increase pressure on Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville this week. It's an attempt to break the Republicans' one-man hold on hundreds of senior military nominations for the first time in 164 years. The Marine Corps is without a Senate-confirmed leader, and all senior military promotions are on hold. And again, this is thanks to just one person, Tuberville of Alabama, who has continued his months-long blockade on Pentagon appointments as a way to protest military abortion access policies, the Pentagon instituted a new policy in the fall that allows for paid leave and reimbursement costs for travel for service members who cross state lines to get an abortion. And that came after several states effectively banned the procedure, preventing service members on bases in those states from accessing it if needed. 
He believes this is a violation of the Hyde Amendment, a law which prohibits federal funds from paying for abortions. The Senate hasn't passed any military promotions or nominations since February because of Tuberville, who has refused to allow them to go forward via unanimous consent. In other words, the Senate batches these nominations and then typically approves them en masse. And it's a game of chicken at this point because Tuberville says that he's only going to lift the block if the policy is formalized into law or just dropped. And the Senate doesn't want to go through with approving nominations individually, which they say could take months. The Department of Defense says that Tuberville blocking roughly 250 promotions. They think that number could reach 650 general and flag officers by the end of the year. The now former Marine Commandant General David Berger, he had his relinquishment of command ceremony that ended his four-year term without formally handing the position over to his successor. His successor is General Eric Smith. He can only take over as acting commandant. And this isn't a minor role. This is a person who oversees the Marine Corps as its highest ranking officer, a four-star general, and a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. In response, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying a smooth and timely transition is central to the full strength of the most powerful fighting force in history a Defense Department spokesperson telling reporters that this hold is leaving a huge impact across the force. Some officers are being asked to delay their retirement, to assume higher duties without higher pay, or to force their families into logistical nightmares as they remain in relocation limbo. And Jill, soon enough, it won't just be the Marine Corps. Several other members of the Joint Chiefs are all set to be leaving in the coming months. So you could face a scenario here where of the eight-member Joint Chiefs of Staff, four of them, four of, including the Army, by the way, in addition to the Marines, could uh, be without a permanent head. Uh, Jill, a top Army officer uh, earlier this week pressured senators on both sides of the aisle to help break the blockade here, arguing that it's negatively impacting national security. Now, they were trying to work behind the scenes for months with Tuberville, with other Republicans. They don't feel like that's working, so they've taken the campaign public this week. General Andrew Rowling said that Tuberville's actions are reprehensible, irresponsible, and dangerous. Tuberville standing by, saying he does not think this hurts readiness based on what he's hearing from people. That said, some of his Republican colleagues are skeptical of the move. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he doesn't think Tuberville strategy is the best way to go about affecting change here, uh, even if they agree and they're both pro-life uh, and they both don't like this policy. He, again, is stating, and other Senate Republican leaders, that I'm not sure the Tuberville strategy here is the best way to go. And yet, uh, McConnell has not taken Tommy in a corner and been like, dude, cut it off. So, so far, six months in, this stands. Uh, one note we should make here is that Senator Schumer actually has the ability to kill all of this, to end all of this, because Democrats are in the majority. They could vote to end the idea of the hold, which is this longstanding Senate tradition that gives individual senators the ability to block things if they have an issue. Why won't the Democrats do that? Because they want to use holds in the future, too. They have used them in the past. Incidentally, recently, Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois during the Trump era put a thousand Pentagon nominations on hold over an issue she had. Now, her hold only lasted for 12 days. We're going on six months here with the Tuberville hold. But again, the Senate, we've talked about the filibuster. They love these rules, these traditions, and the Democrats here don't want to end the hold. They just want Tuberville to end his hold. Nevertheless, we have heard from so many people, Jill, in the past couple days in the Mode News community, uh, in the military, retired military, active military, spouses, family, etc., 
who are impacted by this. And I just want to read a few responses. We've been sharing them over on Instagram. We did it in the newsletter. But I think people should hear uh, that you know these things seem very kind of off in the distance. If you're not involved in the military or not a military family, you don't get how some of these things in Washington impact people. This is a note we got from an Air Force spouse of 15 years. She writes, my husband is coming up on a big promotion, and this blockade will literally throw off his entire career track, plus our entire lives, like knowing when and where we'll move, schooling, childcare. For families that have sacrificed so much for our country, this is reprehensible. Another person writes in, I think people not associated with the military don't realize how big a deal this is. Promotion in the military is very different than the civilian world. I can only speak for officers. But there is a predetermined track for promotions with guidelines for when someone is eligible for promotion based on the number of years they have in their current rank. Where you get promoted in that year range can determine your assignment. This is a big deal. Also, if a service member is under contract, they can't leave and get another job. They're literally stuck. Here's another person. He's messing with real people's lives. I'm so angry about it. Our good friend isn't being promoted because of him and their whole life is in limbo. Politicians who use the military as political pawns this person writes, are awful. The sad thing is, our friend is a Christian chaplain who is pro-life, so he's morally aligned with Tuberville, and yet his whole life and his whole family's life is being messed with. It is very frustrating. Jill, they go on and on and on here. We also heard from a member of the military who had to get an abortion recently. She didn't go into the details of it, but she was saying, listen, we are sent by the military into states to be on certain bases. We have no choice. And the way that things work after Roe v. Wade is where we might be sent by the government to a state where this is not legal. And while she said that she wouldn't actually do this because she's like, I'm not going to tell my commander uh, that I need an abortion for paid time leave and have it go up the chain of command and then ask for reimbursement for gas mileage. Uh, she's appreciative of the policy and she thinks the policy should be in place. She's very skeptical that any women in the military would actually use it. Uh, but what she's saying is, you know, that ultimately we serve our country, the least our country can do is accommodate us when we have certain health needs. Right. And we heard from other women in the military who basically said the same thing, um, that they can't imagine anyone actually using this policy or utilizing it because it would basically mean that they'd have to tell their their boss, so to speak, that they were having an abortion. It would have to go up the chain of command. But just one quick note, um, something that struck me as I was reading through many of the comments that we received from members of the military, normally when we get comments from members of the community, there's varying opinions and they come out on different sides of an issue. I think for the most part here, with the exception of maybe one message, everyone felt really strongly that this just was not the right thing for um, Tuberville to be doing. Yeah, we wanted to make a point here in saying we only want to hear from you if you're in the military community. We did get a note from uh, one spouse who said, listen, I'm pro-life. I agree with what Tuberville is doing here, but I should note that my husband is not impacted by this, doesn't currently have a promotion, but believes that everything should be done to save the, the life of the unborn here. At the same time, Jill, uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about this, whether you feel that, uh, you know, you're pro-life, you're pro-choice, uh, you're military, you're non-military, I think what has been reinforced by these messages is, like, if you have an issue with that, if you have an issue with the leadership, then figure out another way that doesn't impact thousands of lives across the country. You know, these people are moved about the country. They serve our country. They're not paid much. They have a housing crisis. Inflation has hit them 
really hard. Uh, literally at a moment's notice, they go out and serve our country and put their lives on the line. It's like, why do you have to mess with us? And by the way, our veterans care is completely messed up too. And so now on top of this, you're doing this to us. And as we noted there, you know, there's Tuberville doing the block here. Uh, you have the Democrats who could end holds. And then the third alternative is to go one by one with nominations, which could take months, according to them, because as you said, they typically batch them, unanimous consent, all the promotions are in, as opposed to procedurally going one by one by one by one. But they could do that. But the point is, Democrats don't want to do that, because then that proves Tuberville's point that he, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to keep my hold on. And look, you can do them one by one. Uh, I think they want him to end this. We've heard you. Uh, it doesn't appear the Pentagon's going to change his policy. His other alternate is like make it law. Well, that's not going to happen because Republicans control the House, so they're not going to institute this policy. Um, and so right now they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I do think, Jill, as we come up on the fall and winter and you have the Marines without a permanent leader and then the Army without a permanent leader and then the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs without a permanent leader, um, this will ratchet up and they'll have to come up with something. The Tuberville keeps saying, there's no middle ground for me here. End the policy or make it the law. And that's where we stand. All right, Jill, before we get to the speed read, let's thank a couple of our sponsors this week. I want to begin with Bull and Branch. We talk often on this podcast about forever chemicals, all the bad stuff that's in our food, drinking water. Uh, and it turns out that bedding also, some bedding is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, toxic dyes. Well, Bull and Branch, one of our sponsors, and they've been a sponsor now for more than six months, uh, is changing that standard for good. They make some of the softest sheets. You and I uh, both have them on our beds at home, made with 100% organic cotton. Bowling Brand sheets get softer with every wash. We have a couple sets now, and they're really great with this hot weather. They're very breathable, perfect for the heat. And right now, they have a special deal for the Mo News community. For a limited time, you can get access to their annual summer event using the code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S. You can get 20% off over at bowlandbranch.com. That is bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is MONEWS. And we're also always talking about health trends and food trends and just how hard it is to get your nutrients. Well, one way to get all the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It is easy and quick and lets you get on with your day, knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer and get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Okay, time now for the speed read. Let's start with some news that affects all of us in terms of what we pay for food and gas and pretty much everything from CNBC. It seems that inflation is finally getting under control. Inflation measures how quickly prices are changing Numbers out Wednesday show that inflation slowed sharply in June to its slowest pace in more than two years. The CPI, or Consumer Price Index, which measures everything from groceries to concert tickets to gas, increased 3% in June compared to a year earlier. That is a slowdown for May. The biggest price relief came across categories like energy, groceries, and housing. 
Compare this 3% uh, to where we were last year at this time when we had inflation at a near record 9.1%. But most an important point here, this doesn't mean that prices are falling. It just means that they're not going up as quickly as they once were. There are a couple of exceptions to that, like airline fares. But for the most part, again, it just means that prices aren't going up quite as quickly as they once were. Right. Keep in mind that the CPI, the consumer price index here that uh, does inflation, is an average of a lot of things. And if you thought, Jill, that we would discuss inflation without um, some analysis by Heather Long of The Washington Post, you were mistaken. <laughs> uh, going through her Twitter feed, she's an economics reporter at The Post. She does a very good job covering this stuff. Uh, she was noting airfare down, used cars down, meat prices slightly down, gas prices, as you mentioned, very down. But then on the same side, car maintenance up, car insurance up, rent up 8% eating out up nearly 8%. Uh, and so that's where you take the average of all those things. They have a, a bunch of different elements that go in, and you find yourself at 3%. Mark Zandi, he's the chief economist over at Moody's. You might often see him on business television. He noted that the report, quote, makes a strong case that inflation is headed back into the bottle. Inflation has been easing for a year now. Uh, you can imagine the Fed is starting to slowly pat themselves on the back uh, as they took interest rates from zero to 5% over the last year. It appears that the interest rate hikes may have worked here in slowing down inflation. The question is, will they slow things down so quickly that we go into recession? And that's been the concern here is how can they weave all of this together? So when we look at the price pressures, uh, a lot of them were attributable in those early days to the supply shocks, uh, to the COVID pandemic, to the Russian war in Ukraine and the shock to the system that that led to. Gas prices have come down, especially since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. They're down about 27%. Grocery prices down 14%. The price of eggs, Jill, have almost gone back to where they were after they peaked for a while, which I think is excellent news. And oh, God. <laughs> At the same time, though, the target for inflation is 2%, and we're at 3%. So they're really hoping to get down to 2%. What that means, the Fed's meeting again in the next couple of weeks, and the expectation is, and this is the market, uh, that they will raise interest rates yet one more time. And then the plan is, or the assumption is, by the market, is that they will pause on interest rate hikes for the rest of the year. And then starting next year, keep your fingers crossed, interest rates start to come down again. And so that's the back half of 2023 and uh, why we need to keep watching these monthly numbers to get a gauge for whether that prediction is going to work out. From NBC News, Iowa Republicans passed a bill to ban most abortions after six weeks, the latest state to pass a near total ban in the year after the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The measure passed mostly along party lines late Tuesday night, capping a marathon session that Republican Governor Kim Reynolds called for the sole purpose of enacting a ban. She said she would sign that bill on Friday. Now, if it is not blocked by a court, the law would go into effect immediately after she signs it. So this could send abortion clinics in the state, as well as women with appointments scheduled at them in the coming days and weeks, scrambling. As it currently stands, abortion remains legal in Iowa until the 20th week of pregnancy. So now Iowa joins about a dozen other states, Jill, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Ohio, North Dakota, Mississippi, Louisiana, Kentucky, among them who've either all completely banned or banned at six weeks. Critics will say here that six weeks is basically a full ban because that's basically four weeks after conception uh, when many women still don't know uh, that they're pregnant. 
The bill was passed by Republicans who control the legislature there. They argue that six weeks is when a fetal pulse can first be heard via ultrasound, uh, which is why they call it a heartbeat ban. The measure does include exceptions for the life of the woman, miscarriages, and fetal abnormalities deemed by a physician incompatible with life. This is set to impact the 2024 race. Further, why? Well, I was the first state that votes. Jill, we actually got that date earlier this week. It's going to be uh, in mid-January, uh, and they're going to have a Republican caucus. And it's a big issue right now among Republicans because there's a whole group of conservative evangelicals that are calling for a federal ban on abortion. That's something that Mike Pence supports, several other candidates support. Uh, right now, Donald Trump has been very reluctant to support it. He knows that abortion politics may play well in the Republican Party, but might not play well in the general election. Uh, he's actually said that he believes Republicans didn't do as well because of the Roe v. Wade turn uh, overturn last year in last year's midterm. So he's trying to navigate this, but uh, rest assured, you're going to be hearing a lot about it, especially as they all campaign across Iowa. Right now, polling in the state, as well as nationally, finds that a majority of voters support people's having a right to abortion. Uh, right now, majority pro-choice uh, with some limits, but not these six-week limits, if you look at the latest polling. And that's what increases the challenge for Republicans in Iowa, which is how do you uh, continue to assuage the powerful evangelicals of the state while also ensuring that you can navigate those politics in a potential general election against Joe Biden. All right, certainly a sign of the times. This story from Axios, amid record heat in Phoenix in the Southwest, fears are ratcheting up that U.S. cities are just not doing enough to mitigate extreme heat, including appointing chief heat officers. It's still early in the summer, and too many cities are getting caught flat-footed without a heat action plan or with uncoordinated response efforts siloed in different departments. When Miami-Dade County, Phoenix, and L.A. appointed chief heat officers in 2021 and 2022, it was to add some muscle and heft to their hot weather strategies, and it was expected that other major U.S. cities would quickly follow but none have. Cities like Boston and New York are managing their heat response through their emergency services departments or offices of resilience or sustainability. But some say that having a dedicated person can be really important because it empowers the office holder to cut through red tape and focus solely on mitigating heat. Yeah, Jill, we've quickly evolved here. There's certain sections of the country that have always been hot in August, but now the heat is lasting instead of for a couple of weeks, for months. And you're seeing records. I mean, those of you listening in Texas know that you're hitting triple digits week after week after week. This heat dome won't go away. So looking at some examples here, the chief heat officer in Miami, they've been working on lowering the thresholds for heat advisors and warnings. Keep in mind that heat is the biggest killer among all natural disasters in the country. Uh, the heat officers also looking at AC units and public housing, uh, increasing tree canopy coverage. Jill, in addition to my Mo News role, I also consult for companies, uh, including one called Standard Industries recently, that has been developing paint that cools city streets, that literally the paint that you paint on the pavement, on sidewalks and streets can cool where you're standing by up to 10 degrees. Uh, and so they've been working on installing that in places like Arizona and LA. And that makes a huge difference uh, if you're outside and you need to go walk your dog or take your kids outside or et cetera, is you know, walking on these painted areas. So a lot of what they're working on is resilience, infrastructure, mitigation, uh, you know, what you can do to roofs, streets, et cetera. Uh, and then, of course, there's prevention uh, overall, right? Like figuring out how you can like lower your CO2 uh, contribution to the environment. And that's much more expensive. Public transportation, getting people out of cars, bike lanes, 
etc. We're living in this new normal now of temperature records being broken. Jill, we've seen extremes of all sorts, right? We reported yesterday on the Vermont situation, uh, you know, the record flooding they're seeing there. So that's where the resilience officers come in because they're just seeing extreme stuff that the infrastructure is not prepared for. Uh, you know, even at certain temperatures, they build differently in Phoenix than they do in Seattle. But if Seattle is starting to see heat waves like Phoenix, they have to use different materials to deal with things. Things that in Phoenix, where you're accustomed to 110 degree summers, you're used to, but you're not used to in the Northeast. Sorry, I should correct, the Northwest. But the Northwest, like, you know, they weren't used to having many air conditioners, and now they live in a reality where they need air conditioning. So these are all things that a city and state officials now need to focus on. Look, even here in New York, we've never had to deal really with wildfire smoke. And that was something that we all experienced this summer. And unfortunately, uh, I think we probably will again because of those Canadian wildfires, which have been made worse because of all the heat and the drought in that area. Want to also mention on the issue of heat, 17 people were hospitalized at an Ed Sheeran concert over the weekend in Pittsburgh because of the heat, including two workers that went into cardiac arrest. Yeah, the heat index there got into the 90s. From The Hollywood Reporter, the nominations for this year's Emmy Awards were unveiled on Wednesday with Succession, The Last of Us, The White Lotus, and Ted Lasso among those landing the most nominations. Some of the actors earning nominations include Jeremy Strong for Succession, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, and Kerry Russell for The Diplomat. Now, despite being the most watched TV series of 2022, neither Yellowstone nor its spinoff, 1923, got any nominations. In order to be eligible for this year's awards, TV shows had to have aired between June 1st of 2022 and May 31st of 2023. So the Emmys are set to take place on Monday, September 18th in LA. Uh, It'll be on Fox I actually hearing from people in the Mo News community, Jill, who are like, I actually am really excited for this one because I know all the shows. Some of these categories, by the way, you have multiple actors going against each other. Uh, outstanding lead actor in drama series. You have Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin, and Jeremy Strong, all from Succession going against each other. Uh, you also have Bob Odenkirk in that category. Um, over in the uh, uh, supporting actor category, you have one, two, three, four of the characters from White Lotus, along with three from Succession. Uh, Greg Egg, uh, Mr. Wamsgams, and Connor Roy uh, going up in that category. What is notable is should we have an acting strike from the SAG-AFTRA union, which uh, could happen uh, very soon, that could delay the ceremony. So just back to succession, I, I know you watched it. Who do you think should get it? I think I might be partial to my favorite character in the show, uh, Tom Wamsgams. Which we should notice, uh, he's played by actor uh, Matthew McFadden. Um, Jill, there was a scene in the final season where the three kids, uh, unedited, straight, were finding out uh, a bit of tragedy about their father. And the acting in that scene, it was raw, it was real, it was remarkable. Um, and you know, that's a case where you have um, a couple people going up against each other, right? Karen Culkin and Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong, known for like really getting in character, in fact, almost kind of mocked by some of his uh, fellow actors for that. So that's going to be interesting to see. I think, do you give it to Strong? I mean, it's, I mean, he just like fully becomes Kendall Roy. Jill, I'm, a, you know, I'm excited to see Carrie Russell in there in Diplomat. Many people will be rooting for Jennifer Coolidge in White Lotus. Uh, though in that category, she's going up against, 
you know, Aubrey Plaza, basically the entire cast of White Lotus uh, is in the supporting actress category, along with Jay Smith Cameron from Succession. Uh, and then you have the, you know, series is going against each other. The Crown, Better Call Saul, Last of Us, Succession, White Lotus, Yellow Jackets. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I know some people are excited to see Shrinking in there. There's been some really good television in the past year. And I know there's a lot of Jeremy Allen White fans. Uh, he's nominated for The Bear. I hope there's not a strike because I really want there to be an award show. <laughs> I, I This is one I'm definitely going to watch. Jill, have you seen the meme of Jeremy Allen White and Gene Wilder from Willy Wonka? No. Are like, are you oh, ready for yes, this? where they look There's, exactly alike. Yeah, yeah. You might know Jeremy Allen White better uh, for his role on Shameless as Lip Gallagher. But yeah, there's like a there's a photo of him that looks just like Gene Wilder and it's like become this viral meme. All right, now time for On This Day in History. On this July 13th, Jill, we're going to stick with the Hollywood theme here for a second. On this day, 100 years ago, July 13th, 1923, California's Hollywood Land sign was formally dedicated in LA. That's actually what the sign read for the first 20 or so years, Hollywood Land. It was actually there to promote a housing development called Hollywood Land. It fell into disrepair in the 1940s. In fact, some people called it an eyesore, but it was revived and then they agreed to drop the land and just change it to Hollywood to reflect the entire area. By the way, it would fall into disrepair again in the 1970s. And Hugh Hefner of, of Playboy uh, led the fundraising effort to revive the sign again. You know, it's that iconic sign. But if you're ever looking to ensure that a movie is uh, a fairly depicting the 1920s, 30s, or early 40s in L.A., it needs to show Hollywood land because that's how the sign originally read. All right, fast forward here to the 1970s. The famous New York City blackout takes place on this day in 1977. It plunged 9 million residents into a 24-hour electric blackout, Jill. Uh, there was crime. It was the summer of 77, which was a total freakout summer because uh, you also had a mass murder on the loose uh, that summer in New York City. It's been depicted in various films and TV shows. All right, now to the 80s. On this day in 1985, the famous Live Aid benefit concert was held simultaneously in London and Philadelphia. It drew one and a half billion TV viewers, raised millions of dollars for famine relief in Ethiopia at the time. And finally, on this day 10 years ago, the hashtag Black Lives Matter first appeared, sparking the movement. Joel, we end here with a bit of music and movie news. On this day, 50 years ago, Queen debuted their first ever album on this day in 1973. And as we noted at the top of the pod, on this day, 22 years ago, Legally Blonde, starring Reese Witherspoon, opened in theaters on this day in 2001. Mo, whoever said orange is the new pink was seriously disturbed. <laughs> She's going to be going all day, folks. And for more Legally Blonde quotes, go check out Jill Wagner's Instagram page, Jill R. Wagner. <laughs> well, this is going to be just like senior year, except funner. Jill, you know that Reese was actually 24 years old when she shot that movie. Uh, she's 25 when that movie came out. And just to give you some perspective, her daughter, Ava, is 24 years old. And really looks just like her. It's, it's uncanny. <laughs> and by the way, her first daughter with uh, Ryan Phillippe, Mo News community member. We take it full circle here, folks. Yeah, and on that note, uh, thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. Jill, by the way, I should note on that last note, we got another uh, famous actor following us in the past couple of weeks. Sharon Stone joined the Mo News community uh, recently. But is she a premium member, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Jill, not yet. Yeah, I'll have to message Sharon 
uh, maybe she'll answer my message. But so, so far, it, it appears she's she's following the Mo News uh, account on Instagram. So welcome, Sharon, if you're also listening to the podcast. Look, all we need is uh, one or two celebs to repost a few things, and we go viral. It's happened in the past, and and uh, let's hope it happens again. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Mo News Premium. We're approaching uh, a couple thousand members here now, Jill, and so we appreciate everyone who's been joining. Uh, we're making a point every day on the Mo News Premium Instagram account uh, to answer your questions about the news on all subject matter. Uh, Jill, it ran the gamut recently talking about insurance coverage in Florida to why New Yorkers hate LA. By the way, as I sit here in LA, not all New Yorkers hate LA, but we uh, we, we get into a lot of things uh, over on the members only Instagram account. You can join over at mo.news slash premium. allows you to get access to that, access to the Instagram, uh, access to the extra podcast for members. Uh, and you know you're supporting what we're doing here as we try to fix the news. Most three words, $20 smoothies. With a few more premium <laughs> members, Jill, I might be able to afford a smoothie. I'll let you know <laughs> if I head over to Air One. By the way, Air One, if you're listening, we take sponsors. We're looking for new advertisers. Let us know. <laughs> you can pay us in smoothies. I- I'm totally okay with that. Um, all right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.